0: going on, 5979! How y'all feeling? Y'all feeling good? Good, good. That was a lot better energy than junior high. Well, I'm excited to be with you all tonight. And then last week, how many of y'all were here last week? We had combined service. It was awesome. Pastor Leo closed out the playlist sermon series, and he absolutely killed it. So, That means it's time for us to start a new sermon series, which we are calling Parables. And we are going to be looking at the parables of Jesus. And as Pastor Fawn pointed out, it goes right along with the devotional that we're going to be doing, which is so awesome. So right from the get-go, I figure it would be helpful for us to define a parable. Who who thinks they can tell me? Raise your hand if you think you can tell me what a parable is. Caleb. Yeah, That's a great definition. Very excellent, Caleb. Good job. Good job. And so another definition that I came across that that is kind of simple and easy to remember and for your handout is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so the parables that Jesus told, they were about everyday life situations, about a relationship between father and sons, about a farmer sowing seed. It was about a shepherd who lost the sheep. All these uh, very earthly stories, but they weren't just cute little stories, right? They had a deeper meaning, a heavenly meaning behind them. So have you guys ever wondered why Jesus spoke in parables? I mean, why didn't he just come right out and say the deeper meaning? Why go through the trouble of telling this story? Well, anybody ever wondered that? Maybe? No? No, just me. Just me. Okay, that's all right. It's just me. All right, well, I'm not alone because the disciples also ask this exact question and we see this in Matthew 13 so starting in verse 10 it says and the disciples came and said to him why do you speak to them in parables talking about the crowd and Jesus answered them to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it has not been granted for whoever has to him more shall be given and he will have an abundance but whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So if I were to kind of summarize what Jesus is saying here, what the purpose was in telling parables, it was to reveal and conceal. Someone say reveal and conceal. There you go. So let's kind of break that down for a second. How do parables reveal things. Well, like we just said, parables are stories, and people love stories. Stories connect with people. They're easy to remember. And then also, um, parables reveal things uh, because Jesus, uh, he was trying to communicate abstract spiritual truth, and so he started with things that people were familiar with, earthly, everyday life, so that he could take them from what they were familiar with to something they were not familiar with, to a deeper truth And meaning, and so ultimately, um, parables they reveal truth to those who desire truth. Now, and that goes directly into how they conceal things, because they parables conceal things from those who do not wish to see the truth. And so, because like we said, just looking at a parable, it's just a story. If you don't want to see the truth, because but below the surface, there's a deeper meaning behind it and but you have to work in order to see that deeper meaning so for instance in jesus's day he would tell a parable and then the disciples would come to him and say hey jesus what does the parable mean explain it to us but the crowds for the most part they were content just to hear the story and then that was it so the deeper meaning was concealed from the crowds because they weren't willing to put in that effort but for the disciples the deeper meaning was revealed and so you guys are going to be like the disciples not the crowds right Amen, amen. And so that kind of goes directly into our purpose in this series. Not only do we want to share the meaning behind a couple of Jesus's parables, but we want to actually equip you with the tools so that you can then go and interpret the parables for yourself. Whether that's in the devotional or as you're reading the New Testament in the future. So tonight, the parable that I selected is the parable of the talents, and that's. Uh, The title that the NASB gives it, and that's the version I'm going to be using on my PowerPoint. So, as always, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive in. Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. And I pray that I would decrease right now, that you would increase, that your words would come forth clearly, Lord God. And I pray that right now, your word will fall on good soil in every single heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So before we can even get into the text, the first thing you need to do when you're interpreting a parable is look at the context. All right. You always, always, always got to start with the context. And so this parable, the parable of talents, is found in Matthew chapter 25. But in order to get the context, we need to go one chapter earlier in Matthew 24. And in Matthew 24, Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple. That prompts his disciples to ask him, When will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then Jesus goes on to answer these questions and the rest of the chapter. And then that spills over into chapter 25, um, where Jesus gives three parables about his return. So the context for this parable is Jesus' teaching on the end times. And when we say, end times we're referring to the end of the world Uh, we're talking about Jesus's return the creation of the new heavens and the new earth all that jazz how many of you guys know we are living in the end times let me see those hands okay now when it comes to the subject of the end times a lot of people tend to like freak out and I used to kind of be one of them but I learned something that really helped me to kind of put it in perspective when I was in Bible college and that's that do you guys know when the end times officially began Hey, you're close. It was when Jesus was born. All right, so that is when the end times officially began. So it has been the end times for 2,000 years. But even though it has been the end times for 2,000 years now, we are getting closer and closer to Jesus' return, which will bring the end times to their fulfillment and wrap up this age as we know it. So now that we've got our context, which is step number one, We to go to step number two, which is read the parable, all right? makes sense. You know, you need to read the parable. And so we're going to, I encourage you guys to read it through once fully, and then to go back and read it a second time. We're just going to dive right in for the sermon purpose. So let's go ahead and look at verse 14. For it is, somebody say, "Just just like? Just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them to one he gave 5 talents to another 2 and to another 1 each according to his own ability and he went on his journey all right so with the context in mind jesus is saying this parable is just like all right this the scenario how it's going to unfold with his return all right so that's that's pretty strong language so which leads to step number 3 identify key parallels so Who do you guys think the man on the journey, uh, the master of the slaves, who do you think he represents? Jesus, Jesus, absolutely. You guys are sharp. Jesus is in heaven right now, but he will return one day. We may live to see his return, which would be so awesome, but it may not happen in any of our lifetimes. No one knows when he's going to come back, but but because of that, Jesus calls us to be ready, always ready for his return all right so who do the slaves represent i heard it us christians absolutely absolutely and i want to point out that the slaves represent at least people who claim to be christians because it said the master called his own slaves to him all right that's the fill-in hopefully you guys got that so and in the parable the slaves each receive talents now in jesus day A talent referred to a weight, you know, like weight. All right. And so specifically a weight of money. And because of that, it's hard for us to say exactly how much these talents would be worth in our modern um, day. But let's if we say that, for instance, the talents were silver as opposed to gold or bronze. One silver talent was equal to about 15 years worth of wages. All right, so I want to do some math with you guys real quick to put this in our modern terms. So let's say that the average American out of college working full-time makes $40,000 on the average. Let's just say that for easy numbers, all right? So the first slave received five talents. Five talents times 15 years equals 75 years worth of wages. 75 times 40,000 equals $3 million as an approximation. The second slave received two talents. So two times 15 years, I'm going to pop it up there for him, equals 30 years' wages. And 30 years times 40,000 equals $1,200,000. And so the third slave, he received one talent, a little easier math, one talent, 15 years, 15 times 40,000 equals $600,000. All right, so how many of y'all want to be the first slave that received the $3,000,000? Nobody? Nobody? All right. Even one talent, as you guys can see, was a substantial amount of money in Jesus' day. You know, we see this and we think, oh, the guy only received one talent, you know. But that was a lot of money in the equivalent. But so obviously, the money, or the talents, they represent something else in our lives. Because when we got saved, Jesus didn't give us a lump sum cash for $3 million or even 600000 Now, that would have been nice. But that's, that's not the way it works. So what do the talents represent? Well, the talents represent gifts from God. You see, Jesus has given every person, every single person on the earth, whether they're saved or not, various gifts. And the amount and the type of the gifts are based on our abilities that God knew that we had. James 1.18 says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadows so james says every good thing in your life the source of that is god you can point to that it is from god a gift from him and so kind of going along with this there are three overarching categories that i kind of compartmentalize the gifts we We've received from God. And so you guys will probably notice I have some gifts here on stage. And so this is where I need some help. So uh, let's see. These are not in order. So it was dark up here. So two, three, one. All right. So let me see. Let me see. Joe. Is Joe here? Joe? No? Joseph? Not here. Okay. All right. Let me see who else is. uh, Asia? No? 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 Okay. All right. All righty. So, Sabrina, take you. Sure, we'll take you, sir. Um. All right. So, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. You, right here. Yes, sir. You stay right here, and you can go ahead and open it. Just don't take anything out of it yet. Yeah, you can be here. That's good. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Should I do a guy or a girl? Guys don't seem to care. The girls want to play. Um. All right, Right Olivia, Olivia, all right, go ahead and come on over, go ahead and open it, so I think you're number one actually, so I think so, yep, you're number one, so go ahead and open yours and then tell us what you see inside, not you, her, (laughs) say what, yes, all right, so what's in there? Shape a gift card, all right, which is not the gift from God, although it is a gift from God, all right, so what does the paper say in there? Okay, paper says time. Time, all right, so time is one of the gifts that we have received from God, you can have a seat, leave the box, thank you so much, all right, number two, you can take the gift card, but leave everything else, you're three, no, no, number two, Sabrina. Okay, Starbucks gift card. That's her prize for playing along. All right, and what's the paper say? Material resources. Material resources. Very good. You can have a seat. Thank you. And Roman. I got a McDonald's. No, wait. Yeah. They're all $5. I McDonald's gift card. McDonald's gift card, and the paper says? Abilities. 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 Thank you for playing, sir. All right. So those are some categories of gifts that we have received from god now there's a lot more besides these and there's a lot that falls underneath these categories as well so what i would like for us to do is to think and to raise your hand here in just a second and share some of the gifts that you we have received from god so um think more broadly than specific all right so let me hear them yes tony Free will. free will absolutely yes eternal life salvation yes absolutely what else we got marini spirit. our spirit? The, spirit the holy spirit absolutely yes other ones these are great you guys are nailing it it's not there are wrong answers but i'm looking for there's a lot of right answers a whole lot of right answers john athletic ability. there you go sir athletic ability sabrina second jesus, jesus. okay absolutely caleb the what? Creativity. Creativity. Yes. Tony? The earth. The earth. Okay. Yes. Roman. Uh, knowledge. knowledge. Yes. Anyone else? These are great. You guys are nailing it. William. Uh, technology. technology. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's go ahead and pop the list up there. You guys did great. Some of these you said, some of them you did not say. So I'll just hit some of them. The United States of America. The fact that we live In one of the wealthiest countries in the world that we have access to so much that we're I I don't imagine that any of you in here are worried where your next meal is coming from or you haven't eaten in the past 24 to 48 hours. So that is a gift and that is not the reality for everyone around the world. Um, We said artistic um, if you're good working with technology or good with working with your hands intelligence and memory if you're a problem solver. The availability of information that we have, if you're a good communicator, or if you have passion or compassion. These are just, this is like the tip, not even the tip of the iceberg. There are so many gifts we have received from God, and I'm sure we could be here all night thinking of more. But when I look at this list, I I don't know about you guys, but I feel like every single person in this room is equivalent to the slave who received the five talents. The three million dollars, because we all have received so many gifts from God. Amen? that was a weak amen try it again amen there you go all right so let's jump back into the parable verse 16 immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them oh there we go and gained five more talents in the same manner the one who had received the two talents gained two more but he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money we're going to pause right there now when we look at that the third slave hiding the money in the ground, we think, like, that is dumb. Like, why would you do that, all right? But in Jesus' day, it was a common practice if you wanted to safeguard money to bury it in a spot only you knew, and that was actually one of the safest ways you could uh, take care of money. But, as we'll see, it was also one of the least profitable ways to safeguard money. And so, um, going along with that, so since we're aware that talents represent the gifts that God has given us Is it possible that maybe there's some of you in here tonight who have metaphorically buried your gift in the ground? You're not using the gifts that God has given you. Uh, Or maybe you are using them, but are you using them for his glory or using them just for your own glory? Something to think about. Let's keep reading. Now, after a long time, all right, Jesus has been gone for a long time, right? 2,000 years. The master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. He is returning. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, let's read all of the master's response together. One, two, three. Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things enter into the joy of your master also the one who had received the two talents came up and said master you entrusted two talents to me see i have gained two more talents let's do it again his master said to him well done good and faithful slave you were faithful with a few things i will put you in charge of many things good job good job So I want to pause right there and ask you guys, which slave, the first one who received five more talents, or the second one who earned two more, which one do you think the master was more pleased with? You can just holler it out. Equal, Equal. Equal, neither. You guys are sharp. Sharper than junior high. So why do you say that? Why do you say it? They both what? They both gained. They didn't lose. All right. Yes? Yes? They were both faithful. My man. Nailing it on the head. Alright. Very good. Yeah, it was a trick question. I don't apologize. Alright, you guys got it. You're smart. So, both of the slaves, the reason I would say that the master was equally pleased with both, did you notice? They received the exact same validation. The master said the exact same thing to both of them. And, as Romans said, it's because they both were faithful. The master said that twice about both of them to describe them and so i want to run kind of like a rabbit trail along those lines our culture today i feel like is cursed with comparison all right now comparison goes all the way back to cain and abel but i really feel like social media has multiplied our temptation to compare ourselves by like a billion and i'll speak for myself i feel that temptation when i am on social media personally and it's very real for me and when I look at this parable And the junior hires almost unanimously said The first slave it, it, When you look um, At the parable we, Our tendency is to think that God was more pleased with the first slave Because he earned more talents But that is not the heart of God Someone say that's not the heart of God, heart of God. Like you guys said he was e- The master was equally Pleased with both slaves Why? Because he gave to them according to their abilities meaning the master knew that the first slave had the ability to earn up to five more talents but he knew he couldn't earn six seven eight nine whatever likewise he knew the second slave could earn up to two more talents so he gave him two talents but he couldn't earn up to three four five etc and the same is true in our lives god has given each and every one of you gifts multiple gifts gifts specific to your abilities and so the question isn't that god's going to be asking you at the end of your life isn't how much did you produce that's not the question he's going to ask you the question he's going to ask you is did you faithfully use all of the gifts that he gave you to the maximum benefit and for his glory so the question bringing it to the present are you doing that And this is so countercultural when we think about it because our culture, our world, defines success as, oh, you got a lot of money, maybe you're famous, you know, you're you're set, and you got all these things going for you. Not faithfulness. The kingdom of God, faithfulness is the definition of success. Were you faithful? That's what God cares about. And so this is a, a, a shift for us to think about. But that's the way that god views it so that's the way we need to view it as well so faithfulness for your handout is the key are you using the gifts that god has given you to their fullest extent and for his glory think about this are you using your spiritual gifts right now to build up the church are you using the time that god has given you and the fact that you have the word of god available to you to get in the word every single day and to do the devotional that we are doing as a youth group right now. That is a gift. Are you seeking to be discipled? And are you seeking to disciple others? Are you using the gifts of your personality. Whether you're outgoing and love people. Or whether you're more introverted. But you're caring and compassionate. Are you using those gifts to serve others and to point them to Jesus? So as you guys are. Um, for in my life. I have uh, several different gifts, but I have a gift of leadership, I have a gift of communication, and I have a very high gift of administration. Now, I could take those three gifts alone, and I could work in a secular job, and I could make a lot of money working in a secular job with those talents and skill sets. But God has called me to ministry, and so I am intentionally using the gifts that God has given me to bring Him glory. Now, am I saying that you guys have to be in ministry in order to bring God glory with your gifts. No, absolutely not. But in my life, because there is the call of God on my life specifically to do that, I have to be obedient and to use my gifts in that area. But for some of you guys, you have gifts, whether you're gonna be a nurse or whether you're great with numbers and you're gonna be accounting, whatever you're doing. Paul said, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So in every conversation, in how you are, uh, what you speak, What you do in your actions bring glory to God through those things. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's jump back into the parable. And the one who had received the one talent... All right, let's start that again. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, and I was afraid, and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See... You have what is yours. Let's read the master's response. But his master answered and said to him, you, oh, help me out. One, two, three. You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. All right, let's pause right there. Actually, I skipped ahead a little bit, so um, that's okay. We'll just run with it. So, (laughs) the slave's words really hurt his own case here because the master points out if you had really believed that I was this way, then you would have acted differently. Then you would have put my money in the bank because the master's money was equally safe in the bank as it was in the ground. What was the only difference? By putting it in the bank, it's going to get interest, and so the master's going to not only get his talent back, but additional money from that. And so, um, but the slave did it anyway, because what, what were those two words again that the master used? Wicked, Wicked and lazy. All right, and I also want to point out, although the master doesn't deny the slave's accusations against him, the master does not agree with him either in this right here in fact you can kind of read sarcasm into it that the master is pointing out that the slaves what he said he believed about the master did not match his actions so let's go ahead and wrap it up and read the last three verses of the parable i'll take it from here therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents for to everyone who has more shall be given and he will have an abundance But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, those phrases that I have bolded in verse 30 are used several times elsewhere in the gospel of Matthew. And they're used once in the gospel of Luke. And every time they're used, it refers to hell. So, this slave... This supposed Christian, because wasted his gifts, was sent to hell. It's very clear uh, in Scripture. And now let's look at the flip side for a second. The Apostle Paul does speak that there's a group of people, and they will, um, they will waste their labors, right? They are going to—they um, miss their purpose in life. But then everything that they worked for on this earth will be burnt up at the judgment seat of Christ. But they will still go to heaven. All right. Jesus here is clearly talking about a different group, a group that did not use their gifts for the glory of God, and they will be sent to hell. So what's the difference between these two groups? It's rhetorical. I don't know. I don't know, but I know I also don't want to find out because uh, I don't want to be in either group. I don't want to be sent to hell, but I also don't want to have all my works burnt up. I want to be like the first or the second slave who hears, well done, good and faithful servant. And this leads directly into the fourth and final step for you guys when you're interpreting a parable, which is apply the message to your life, which is exactly what we're going to do right now. I'm going to help you out. Which slave are you like tonight? Are you like the first or the second slave? Are you using the time and material resources and the ability that God has given you for his glory? So that you'll be able to say when Jesus returns, Master, you entrusted me with all these gifts. Here is the return from my life. Or are you like the third slave? Are you overcome by fear and laziness? And are you wasting the gifts? that God has given you you guys everyone look at me right now all eyes up here want you hear this Jesus is coming back Jesus is coming back if he comes back tonight are you ready to give an account for your life are you ready